feeling stressed, left without gravity, in an environment that gets more and more complicated and complex every day, untangle your mind and go back to the roots of clear thinking. Get the original text of the Leviathan by Hobbes, the two treatises of government by Locke, the social contract by Rousseau, plus the U.S. Constitution from Pennsylvania, bound together into just one practical book. That's right. Hobbes, Locke, Rousseau, and the U.S. Constitution, bound together into just one practical book to keep your costs low. We are thrilled to have Peter Thiel on with us. He is the author of the book, Zero to One, Notes on Startups or How to Build the Future. You might know him. You, you definitely know some of the things that he's been involved with. In 2004, he's the guy who came uh, across a sophomore who had never had a steady job before and um, gave him half a million dollars to start something called The Facebook uh, since then, he his Founders Fund has included LinkedIn, which I want to talk to you about. It <laughs> pisses me off. Uh, Spotify, uh, SpaceX, and uh, so much more. He's also done 20 Under 20, where, which he launched in uh, 2010. 20 young uh, tech uh, techies are, are given $100,000 if they'll drop out of school to launch a startup. He gets a lot of trouble for that. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but he's also a um, uh, uh, a libertarian who started out as a real Reagan guy who then went to college, tried to change it from the inside, and as I understand it, kind of realized none of this is really working. Is that right, Peter? It's, it's very hard to uh, reform things from the inside in, in general. Yeah, we, uh, we started a, a, one of these conservative student newspapers, the Stanford Review, in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. There were all these debates that were very, you know, very important about uh, Western civilization, the humanities. Um, you know, the, the colleges were overwhelmingly liberal. There was a lot that was screwed up, but uh, very hard to reform from the inside. And I think, I think this is true of a lot of our institutions. Uh, they're, um, they're, they're important. Uh, and so uh, we always try to reform them from within, but uh, they're at a point where uh, that's that one often gets a sense that that's a that's a fool's errand yeah, of one I, sort I, or another. We were talking off the air here before we started about politics, and I, I want to talk to you a little bit about this. But but since we're here at education, um, everybody's afraid of letting things go. You know, I, I'm here. We are sitting in this studio, and I just told you you were marking the studio, and I said. Yeah, well, we bought it with just enough that would cover what we would have paid in rent for five years because I want to be able to walk away from it because I don't know what tomorrow looks like. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep building what we're building, and we'll just go with the flow on technology and everything else. But that's, that is, I think, important to not have the fear of letting things go. Right now, you don't have to do education the way we're doing education, but because the system is set up, and the buildings and everything else is set up a certain way. You got to do it that way. Let it go. No, it's it's uh it's it's uh it it's looks no different from the way it looked in the 19th century for the most part. Um, right. And if you uh, define technology as doing more with less, education in the U.S. is the opposite. Um, the costs of college education are up 400 percent after inflation since 1980, 
And so it's something where you're getting less for more rather than more for less. It's the most anti-technological sector of our economy. Healthcare is pretty bad. Education's even worse. So these are the you know the government-linked sectors like education, healthcare, are the ones that are the furthest from innovation, so, from change, so from doing new, new or better things. Mm. How, how do we change that? Well, uh, the, uh, the the bias for many decades among uh, conservatives and libertarians has been that you try to reform things from within. You get more conservative faculty. You uh, you try to you try to uh, bring things under control. But uh, there's there's very little accountability. And so I think I think change happens by creating alternative routes on the outside. And I think, uh, and I've talked a lot about an education bubble in the United States. The analogy that I've used is that I think it's like, it's like where the Catholic Church was in 1514, 500 years ago. It's a unitary system, a universal system that tells, and in some ways the universities are the successor of the Catholic Church. They're sort mm-hmm. of an atheist church, you could say. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, they cost are costing more and more. You pay more and more for these indulgences. They're paying for this professorial or priestly class of people. And uh, what I think is going to, um, you know, what is going to happen at some point is that there's going to be a reformation, and it will come from it will come from the outside. And uh, it's it's very hard for us to see it right now because well, is, is because it... um, because we can't imagine anything different. We we believe you will only be saved if you go to college. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that holding up. I can't. I see that that system, and I think to myself, I don't. I can't. I don't understand why anybody thinks this works. Why anybody thinks this is a good idea? You know. I mean, look. There are some things you've got to go to college, and and you know. I I personally, um, you know, when when you are excited about learning, that's when you should go to college. Not when you're like, I got to check this box so I can. That's not right. when you go to college, right? But it's, uh, but but I think most people aren't yet where you are, Glenn, or where where I, where I am. Most people are um, are scared of the future, and when you're scared of the future, you often um, you often retrench, and uh, and that's and that gets um, taken advantage of. Okay, so and that's why the millennials are graduating with you know they have a trillion dollars in student debt now, and uh, and so it, and it's, soon that will be personally. <laughs> well, you can't, you, you, you can't get out of it. Uh, the, the bankruptcy laws have been rewritten, so student right. debt uh, can't be discharged even if you go personally bankrupt. That's and, crazy. And so uh, these people, they'll, they'll have their Social Security checks garnished when, they're, when they retire to pay off their student loans. So how do we get people, Peter? Because, I, I mean, I went to – I've had a real – change of heart i i have been a fan of ray kurzweil's for a long long time um he's probably the probably next to you the hardest i've ever worked to get an interview i i waited for you for i don't even know how long we've tried six years six years we've tried to get an interview with you um, the same thing with Ray Kurzweil. This better be worth it, by the way. Yeah, it's not going well so far, is it? Um, uh, but uh, the same thing with Ray Kurzweil. I, I tried for almost 10 years to get Ray Kurzweil. Um, and uh, I, am, I am so excited about the future. At the same time, I am terrified by what could be done if we lose our ethics and our principles, and there aren't a lot of people that are doing that. Uh, when I when I went out to Silicon Valley, and uh, this is recently, and I met with Mark Andreessen and and some of his people out there, and and just spent a couple of days out there just looking at what the future holds. I had a whole bunch of hope. I walked out going, "Okay, all right, you know what? We might make it." But how do you get people to go from, holy cow, 
everything I know is about to change to, and that's okay. Well, it's, uh, well, we have to always understand the future is not this thing that just is absolute and that exists. And this, this is one place where I actually slightly disagree with Kurzweil because Kurzweil always portrays the future as just these exponential curves. When he says the singularity is near, it's like you're saying um, all you have to do is uh, sit back and eat some popcorn and watch this movie called The Future Happen. And I don't think it's like that at all. I think the future um, is it's open-ended. It's up to us to determine. And so I'd, I'd like us to talk more about human agency and a little bit less about the future as this thing that simply is going to happen. And so it's that's what, what gives me I, – I, I'm torn on this – because that's what gives me um, – uh, real trepidation on the future is I look at the way people are just um, falling into a self-induced coma. They are unplugging. They are just taking the least path of resistance. They don't want to think. They don't want to feel, you know. And, well, and that's, that's going to lead us into very bad places with technology. Well, well, certainly if you don't think about the future... If you, if you pretend that you can't do anything about the future, then uh, the future will still happen. Correct. Um, it always will happen, but uh, it will be a bad future. And so I do think uh, we have to sort of break this uh, defeatist cycle where if, if, you know, if, you, if you're a slacker with low expectations, they will be fulfilled. That's, uh, you know, so and, how do we break that? Well, it's, uh, I, don't have a, I don't have a great answer for what you do for the culture as a whole. Uh, you know, so I'm always focused on trying to get small groups of people to break it. And this is why I'm so focused on technology, on starting new companies, because um, you can convince small numbers of people to try to do new things. When my colleague Elon Musk started uh, SpaceX from, from PayPal, uh, it's getting 20 rocket scientists and convincing them we could go to Mars. And then you sort of work on this over, you know, a decade. And I think, you know, they're, they're going to get to Mars in 10 or 20 years if, if Elon gets his way. Um, and that's how I think... Uh, that's that's where I'm, I tend to be most focused. Um, it's it, there is a big problem with the broader culture in this country. Um, you know where I think you know a lot, generally, generationally a lot of the millennials are, you know, are pessimistic about the future, and it has a self fulfilling aspect that's very bad. But uh, you try to break it one person at a time. Where are you on the? Where are you on what's coming? Because I, I, you're you're one of the most fascinating people I have ever read anything about. Um, because you are, in almost all ways, seemingly, on the surface, diametrically opposed to yourself. Well, I'm I'm both optimistic and pessimistic. So I'll start with that yeah. contradiction. Um, I'm. I th I think it's uh you know I think we could be doing much better than we think. So I think there's tremendous potential, not just in computers and information technology, but also in many other areas. You know, we could be curing cancer. Uh, there's no reason we could not be curing Alzheimer's, dementia. You know, mm. all these things we could be uh, we could be working on. Why aren't we? Well, uh, why question, any question that starts with why is always hard to answer. But I think, um, you know, I think we've had a lot of failure uh, over the last 40 years where the story of the last 40 years has been one of relative stagnation, where we've had progress in computers and less progress in all other areas. And I think it's, yeah. and I think one one simple uh, libertarian uh, cut on this is that uh, computers were um, not regulated and everything else was regulated. It costs you a hundred thousand uh, dollars. It's a great point. 
costs you about $100,000 to start a new software company. Mm-hmm. It costs you about $1 billion, with a B, dollars to get a new drug through the FDA. And, and so, you know, we have a lot of new software companies, so very, not that many very new drugs. Very few people are capable of doing that. Um, it's it's, a, it's, it's a, all of these. Uh, hmm. Quite honestly, anytime the government gets involved, it, 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 it stifles everything. There's no reason. I mean, look, we're trying to do it the blaze. This is the most antiquated system I have ever seen in my life. And um, here we are. We're spending money actually trying to lobby Washington to to stop the merger uh, from uh, Time Warner and um, uh, and what is it? Uh, Comcast. Comcast. And trying to stop that. that. That goes against everything in me. But it's already a regulated system. It's rigged. You can't get in. I can't start a Comcast. And it's and we're not at the point yet to where that thing is going to break apart. But I know. And, you know, I'd love to hear you answer this. We don't have to answer this on the air. I'd love to know, when does this system fall apart? When does access to information stop going through people like Comcast? Because there are these damn gatekeepers, and it just it's because they can run to the government, and the government will say, I'll protect you. You protect me, I'll protect you. And it's in every single industry. Well, it's... it's uh... I think there is sort of this relentless trend towards more transparency, more information, um, and it's you know it it seems hard for me to to stop that. You know, the um, it's there are things our government was able to get away with in say the Kennedy, Johnson, or Nixon administrations. It can't get away with anymore. Ooh, and uh, and so you know that we when you when you see what's going on in the sausage making factory, you may go on a strict vegan diet. Except. <laughs> We see it now. It, if, if They couldn't have gotten away with it because we couldn't see it. But now society is such a way that we see it and we don't care. That's worse. Because now we are seeing through trans. We're seeing right through them. Aren't we? To, 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 some, to some extent. But I think, I think you know, I think, um, look, I think the, uh, you know, I, I, I describe myself politically as, as libertarian, although temperamentally, I'm something of a political atheist where to some extent I just don't believe that these people are, you know, as as um as holy and great as they they're they're often made out to be. And uh, and I think the internet wow, is who's making them out to be great because I haven't met them in quite some time. <laughs> well, they they, they 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 are making themselves out to be great right, for the yeah, most part. Yes. Um yeah. and uh, and that's that's a much harder stunt to pull off today than it was uh 40 or yes, you know, true. Um, total disconnect from the American um, people. You know, there's what FDR did in the New Deal. I don't think you can do that today. Um, we'll come back in, in just a second. I, 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 I want to talk to you about, you said that America stopped innovating quite some time ago. And you also say that, that Apple is not an innovative company. A fascinating theory on Apple when we come back here in, uh, in just a second. Our sponsor this half hour is Cheaper Than Dirt. Cheaper Than Dirt uh, has dropped their prices now on uh, 10,000 popular firearms. Um, now is the time. I mean, everybody, after the election, everybody ran out and, you know, bought guns and ammunition and, and everything else. Well, what happened is these companies started making all the firearms and all the ammunition. And now there's this huge glut. So cheaper than dirt. On 10,000 of the most popular uh, firearms, now you can get the best deal that they have ever had on guns in uh, perhaps forever. CheaperThanDirt.com. Best time to buy guns, ammunition, the price, selection, great service available at CheaperThanDirt.com. The Glenn Beck Program. 
the Blaze Radio Network. Back with Peter Thiel. He is the author of Zero to One, Notes on Startups or How to Build the Future. He'll be with me for a full hour tonight at uh, 5 o'clock on The Blaze. You don't want to miss this uh, show. We're, uh, we have so much to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about um, politics and, um, and business and big business. Um, but I, I, I want you to explain um, your theory that America has not really been an innovative country for quite some time. Well, we've we've been innovative in computers, internet, mobile internet, um, not in a lot of other areas, and uh, it's reflected by our reduced expectations for the future. You know, uh, living standards went up tremendously uh, in you know the 19th century, in the 20th century, through the 60s, and something in this country I think uh, really did break in the 1970s. Um, there was a bit of a re- revival with Reagan in the 80s. The 90s were a pretty good decade. What but, broke? Uh, well, I. I think um, uh, we, you know, I think environmentalism became very powerful, uh, regulations became very powerful, and um, all these uh, industries that were, uh, um, that try to do things in the world of atoms, you know, transportation, energy, uh, these all became bad fields to go into. And so engineering became a bad thing to study. If you're a nuclear engineer, aerospace engineer, there were no jobs for people who went into these fields because these industries were uh, basically regulated to death. I watched um, um, Man in Space, uh, a uh, program put together by um, uh, Walt Disney in 1955, and uh, that took me to uh, something that he did, The Adam and Me. And you watch this, and there is no way that would be produced today. Nothing like it probably for the for 20 years, the last 20 years, because it's talking about how great the future is because of the atom and, and what we can do and, and clean energy and endless energy and all of these, these ideas that are just, you can't do now because of regulation. Well, if you look at, um, so yeah, there's a regulatory story. There's a cultural story too, where if you look at the science fiction movies that get made today, they all show a future that's just frightening and terrible, and you can choose between the Terminator or Matrix or Avatar or Elysium. I watched the uh, Gravity movie um, uh, last year, and uh, you'd never want to go into outer space. You'd want to uh, be back on a muddy island on this planet because technology is something that doesn't work or it's dystopian, it kills people, it's destructive. And so, uh, so we've somehow shifted from being hopeful about the future to being fearful. You know, we landed on the moon in July of 1969. Uh, Woodstock started three weeks later, and I think with the benefit of hindsight, uh, that's perhaps when progress stopped and the hippies uh, more or less took over the country. I, I have to tell you, I, I, when I was at Fox, I did a whole special on that mm-hmm. summer, on that theory, that that's the split in our nation. That's where our nation made a choice. You could either reach for the, because there were two entirely different cultures. You could either reach up and reach beyond, or you could roll around in the mud. And for a while, I think we thought that the stars won, but I don't think they did. I, I think that went underground for a while. No, it's, and it's been a it's been a long time. You know, it's we we don't want to admit 
that the failure happened. So you had the, you know, you had the space shuttle program, which sort of somehow extended the space program by 30 years. Right. And you'd never want to decommission it because as soon as you decommission it, you admit that there's really been a retreat. Back in just a minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're talking to Peter Thiel. He is the author of Zero to One, also the guy who gave the original investment to uh, a guy named Mark, who started something called The Facebook, um, and uh, and started PayPal, and, uh, and now is one of the bigger angel investors, if you will, um, in the world, and looking for innovators in technology that are going to actually change things. You're not really looking for somebody with a new app. Well, uh, you want to do things where if you didn't do it, it wouldn't happen. Right. So I always, I always, um, you know, science starts with the number two with things that are repeatable. And so people are always looking for a formula. They're looking for repeatable formulas. But I think every moment in business happens only once. The significant things are unique and singular. And everything I think that really matters in this world is uh, is one of a kind. So let's go. Let's go there. I want to talk to you a little bit about competition that you talk about in the book, but I, I also want to talk a little bit first about Apple, not really being an innovative company. What well, was a? It had an enormous run of innovation under uh, Jobs uh, for you know decades and decades. Uh, but it is um, it is very hard to maintain innovation once you get that big. Uh, you know, once you're making you know 150 billion a year from selling uh, iPhones. Um, it's hard to come up with any new vertical that that competes with it. So I think it has the same problem any of these uh, any of these large companies have. Companies get bureaucratic, uh, they get uh, uh, stagnant. I think Tim Cook is doing as good a job as he can filling impossibly large shoes. But uh, but often uh, the innovation is driven by the founders. The founders are important. The founders set the tone for these companies, and uh, once they leave, it's it's often hard to. Uh, hard to hard for that to persevere. Uh, there's sort of an analogy I draw, and you can, maybe it's overdone, with the founders of companies and the founders of our country. You know, the, when you when you found something, you have tremendous freedom. You can sort of set all the parameters, uh, and then often the people who come afterwards have much less uh, uh, ability to to change things or. You're sort of caught up in in these structures of one sort well, it's or another. Kind of, it's kind of like things become sacred. I mean, I I, I look in in business. You saw this with Disney when he died. Who's gonna fill those shoes? And what would Walt do? And for a long time, we did that with the founders. What would you know? What what would Washington do? Now we don't really even care mm-hmm. what the founders uh, did. And there's there's mm-hmm. some there's some place in between of well, I can't. I'm not. I'm not George Washington. Uh, and I'm not living in his time, but I can take his principles, and mm-hmm. we've just gotten rid of the principles, mm-hmm. even, and flush them down the toilet. You want to always keep it alive. You want to keep it. You want to keep the found the founding alive, and so uh, so that there's always a degree to which if you are too doctrinaire, uh, you've lost something, and of course if you've forgotten about it, you've lost something too. So you have to always be somewhere in between. Um, talk to me about the competition because. Um, you talk a little bit about uh, competition um, uh, in the book, and and that competition is not a good thing per se. Well, uh, you have to always distinguish uh, two different versions. This one is um, as advice to someone who's an entrepreneur or a founder or someone who's starting something, and there's always the question about society. But if you're starting a business, uh, you want to have a monopoly. You want to be doing something where it's one of a kind, 
Uh, you don't want to have the fourth online pet food company. You don't want to have the 10th thin film solar panel company. You don't want to be opening the 1,000th uh, restaurant here in Dallas. You want to be doing something that um, if you were not doing it, nobody would. So like your, your show is one of a kind. If you weren't doing it, um, nobody would be saying the things you're doing. And that's what makes it valuable. And so in that sense, you have a monopoly on a certain set of ideas. And so how do you – so wait, but how do you then make – be, because – Are you my show's regulating not, that or are you just – you let the marketplace work that out? You know, I think it's bad if these monopolies are static, uh, like in the Parker Brothers board game where they become toll collectors like a troll on a bridge. And I think <laughs> they, they become static, in fact, when they are regulated. When the government gets involved, yes, okay. it often ends up backing the monopolies in one way or the other. Correct. So post office is a bad monopoly. You know, I think uh, we can – Comcast – some problems, yes. um, but but I think uh, I think in technology the monopolies are not permanent. They last for you know a few decades. You have a great run, uh, and that's the reward you get for coming up with something new. Are you concerned at all about like for instance, um, you know when I talked to Eric Schmidt, I said, so Eric, you're going you're going into uh, artificial intelligence and. Uh, uh, you know, you're partnering with the government on some things, um, and uh, you're becoming so big, I don't know which one f- fears the other. Does the government fear you, or do you fear the government? Um, or are you guys both in it together? And he said, well, those things will never happen because of our culture. And I said, do you mean don't be evil? And he said, yeah, I mean, our culture from our founding is just too strong of a culture. We'll never go dark. I don't I don't believe that. And I, I told him I don't believe that for a second. Human nature, uh, you know, everything, everything uh, falls apart in the end. Um, it's very hard to keep, you know, standards, especially when you're when you're when your your culture is a negative. Don't be evil. How about being for something instead of being against? Are you concerned about the size of? Companies like Google and what they can do in the future, not necessarily Google specific. Um, well, there's. Um, I'm always more concerned about the government. So, uh, so if you ask me which is more powerful, Google or, or the government, it's hands down the U.S. government. And so, yes, there are. Uh, yeah, I think the "Don't be evil" slogan is kind of fake. Um, it's. Uh, it's. Uh, and you know, if you're suspicious, you'd actually be always nervous if someone had a slogan like that. You sort of right. start thinking, you know, maybe there there's something really dark going on if you have to cover it up with a slogan like that. But um, but uh, just but, a reminder, everybody, today, don't be evil. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of like you know, you sort of you sort of suspect, you know, maybe maybe the, the slogan is something like "Do a little bit of evil and don't get caught" or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Right. Um, what was your what was your uh, what what was your involvement with LinkedIn? Did you start LinkedIn? Did you uh, co-found? No, I was just I was just I was just, I was okay. just an early yes. investor. Distance yourself. I was Distance just yourself. I was I was just an early investor. A good friend of mine. Uh, How could you was do the that? Founder. You're a guy who you don't even take you don't take business cards from people, right? Somebody comes up to you and hands you a card. You don't like that. Well, I I, I take them. I don't. It doesn't. You know, it's right. you always get overwhelmed with people yeah, pitching sure, you on sure. proposals on yeah, one yeah, sort or yeah. another. So, uh, right. so you have to. Um, so you take them in, but they they end up in a circular file. They end up somewhere. They end up somewhere, yeah. <laughs> All right. So how could you have been a guy who helped with LinkedIn? It is the bane of our existence. Why is we it the get, bane of your existence? Oh, my gosh. We because we don't even know LinkedIn how, requests a day, uh, and, we and we don't, don't know, know how to stop it. We don't know how to get out of the system. I swear I never signed up for the damn system. You, just, you, don't, have to, you don't have to engage. You can always just... 
not do anything. And yet it no. just yet keeps it's coming. Just it's relentless. Stop. LinkedIn is the most relentless. His wife asked me to sign up in her accidentally pushed LinkedIn, the wrong button and, and like, she asked every human being on earth to <laughs> and now join i'm her getting thing. well jackie <laughs> wants to know why you haven't done this jackie wants to know are you a bad human being jackie wants to know are you amish or something why won't you sign up with linkedin well but look, look let's 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 focus on the positive part here we, you know <laughs> okay. we are we are um we are in an economy that's a networked economy which means that the relationships you build with people are unbelievably important over time and so uh, it sounds like a guy who's still making money from that damn LinkedIn. Well, no, but it's, I'm not. I'm not even invested in it anymore. But I, I, I think, you know, I think they, they tapped into something. Is that what you're saying? It's, 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 it it's done. done it's done more good than evil. All right. No, it hasn't done evil. We're not accusing no, it's it of just evil. It's just obnoxious. obnoxious. It's yes, just it's done obnoxious. a lot of obnoxious. <laughs> just leave me alone, LinkedIn. Just leave me alone. I don't want to be LinkedIn. Can you unsign or unsubscribe <laughs> or maybe, get off somewhere? This may be below his pay grade. It might be. Yes, it might be. <laughs> just you just, you just don't have to. Don't have to do anything. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, that's what you. That's the opposite advice you gave about the future. You said if we don't do anything, the future arrives. If we do nothing, we're going to be sucked into the LinkedIn nightmare. Well, don't do anything uh, in general. Just don't do anything in particular in in, in certain areas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Uh, Back in just a second with Peter Thiel. Uh, The name of the book, Zero to One, notes on uh, startups or how to build the future. He's going to be on uh, with me at 5 o'clock today. Um, and, um, and we're going to, we're going to go over a little bit. I want to talk to you just a little bit here when we come back about, uh, about politics in particular. Um, uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about just about everything. If you are an entrepreneur, uh, the world is changing so dramatically and everybody wants to put you into a little box. What he has to say about boxes and not being put into a little box. In fact, don't follow a roadmap. I believe everybody who wants to succeed in uh, tomorrow's world, today's world, needs to listen to it. Today at 5, or you can pick up the book Zero to One by Peter Thiel. The uh, sponsor this half hour is Goldline. Goldline uh, is a company that I've been doing business with for a long, long time. In fact, I was an uh, investor in theirs before they were an investor in, in anything that I, uh, I did. Uh, I went to Goldline right after September 11th, and people... Mocked, mocked and said, oh, gee, gold is $300 an ounce. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Look at it now. Um, it's not something that, you know, is for everybody. It's, uh, I have no idea what the future holds. I have no, Peter might know. He's the guy with PayPal. How long does the dollar last? It's, um, it's a race to the bottom among all the different forms of fiat money. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to do better than the euro, better than the yen. But, but, it's, it, but it has no long-term future. Do you think it's do you see that dollar do you see me retiring at 65 70 years old and well, it's, saying it's, it's, hey that it's the center of the government bubble it's the center of the bubble today is uh, is 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 government uh, we had a bubble in tech in the 90s housing finance in the 2000s today the bubble is centered on um on government quantitative easing money printing and this is somehow the center of the bubble and so uh, you don't want to be in cash you don't want to be in bonds um, it's hard to know what to do instead because that's so, so that's the yeah. natural default people right. have. But I think that's what you want to stay away from. It was like just in the last decade, the one thing you should have done is stay away from housing. It was hard to know. People had no idea what to do instead, so they went into housing. Right. Today, you want to stay away from cash and bonds. 
Um, anyway, so call Goldline today. It's not right for everybody. It may not be right for you. Call 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The Blaze Radio Network. Okay, Pat, let it go. <laughs> let it go. I'm the, the, all the... I did was suggest that that we take we bring our troops home and surround LinkedIn. <laughs> that's that's all I suggested. Peter uh, to Thiel is definitely and, uh, and definitely think... a unorthodox, uh, <laughs> unorthodox military policy here. Yes. I I'm actually for that more than I am our troops <laughs> remaining in South Korea. At least it's a domestic policy. I'm not in favor policy. of them surrounding LinkedIn, but I'm relatively <laughs> speaking for that as well. <laughs> All right. Never thought you'd meet anybody that was so really, really opposed to LinkedIn, did you? When you when you uh, helped, I'll, I'll, you a I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll just take it that you're really, really opposed to <laughs> having the troops in the Middle East. <laughs> yes. Well, that's you could look it. at it that that's way. Part of it. <laughs> you live in that little world of yours, Peter. But <laughs> that's not what we're saying. Um, <sighs> let me talk a little bit about um, um, politics here. Just just a little bit with you. When we went into the break, we were you know talking about the monetary system how how long do you think we have before this system just implodes this game we're playing where where we're not making any sense yeah it's it's uh it's amazing it's been able they've been able to do it for 6 years already we've had you know, money printing uh dollars a year for uh, for 6 years and so and, you know, when, and and nobody is no one no one is actually saying you watch CNBC and they're like oh well, it's not going to yeah, we'll find a way to work that's never worked out now there's there's a slow impoverishment that's happening when you have interest rates at 0% the inflation's still 2% a year so over the course of 6 years it's like you've confiscated 12% of people's money mm-hmm. it's so it's like uh, what the government of Cyprus did they confiscated 10% overnight we've done it more slowly um, but we've had a Cyprus level confiscation in the U.S. over over the Holy last six cow. years. That's a, that's an amazing way I to look at it. I have never even thought of it. And that so, way. yeah. And so there there isn't wow. that much inflation, but there still is enough that it's slowly eroding things. I su- I suppose it ends when inflation starts to pick up, and it doesn't have to pick up much for it to to really hurt. Because in the '70s, when you had a lot of inflation, you still had high interest rates. So you had eight mm-hmm. percent inflation. You earned eight percent in your bank account. You sort of roughly broke even. If inflation just goes to three or four percent in the U.S. and you're earning zero, then you're really hurting. And there's a lot of people who think who think it's going to go a lot higher than that, a lot higher. Well, than there's 3 also or 4%. people that say that deflate, massive deflation yeah. is well. Is it's coming. it's the 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 thing. Um, you know, conservatives and libertarians, I think, overpredicted inflation the last few years. It didn't quite happen, but I think uh, the mistake Thank they God. made the mistake they made was they underestimated how busted the economy was, and so we mm-hmm. haven't had inflation. Because uh, we've had all this regulation, you can't do anything. There's been not enough economic activity, and so I think if we if we actually ever get a r- real recovery going, that's when you hit inflation right yeah, well, away. Well, that was a problem because I talked to Art Laffery. This is years ago, before just before we started the money printing, and I said, Art, they're going to start printing money, and um, he said, Glenn, if they start printing money, then you know, then we're in trouble, and we have to raise the interest rates at a certain point. I said, at what point? At what point are the raising of the interest rates irrelevant because you just, you'll cripple the economy to try to suck that money back in? You can't raise them high enough. It, you'll cripple the economy. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to know exactly. You know, it's, it's, we don't know exactly how this ends, but it, there's a sense this ends badly. You know, I, I, th- I think it can keep going for a few more years would be my guess. You know, I think, uh, I think 
the Fed at this point, uh, the majority of the governors are are Democrats. They're going to do everything they can to push easy money to help Hillary Clinton get elected in 2016. Um, but I, I I would predict that if, if she wins, she will be a one-term president because um, it will it, break. No matter it will break. Who's. It will break. And this is this is almost this is almost the. Will I, it I break no matter who is president? Do you I think? sort I sort of think that uh, that you know you might not want to win 2016 because um, I think they can't keep it going for six more years, no matter what. I, I don't think you can keep it going for six more years. And we want the, the silver lining to, to Clinton presidency will be that there will be clarity, that it will be because of uh, their set of policies that, that's, that's brought this about. It's a very high price. Is there anybody, how much time do we have? Oh, we have 30 yeah, seconds. 30 well, seconds. I was going to ask you, well, I'll get you out of this one for now, but maybe we'll answer it at five. If there's anybody on the horizon politically that you see that gives you any kind of hope uh, out there, but we're out of time now. So I'm glad we're out of time. <laughs> uh, zero to one, Peter Thiel. The name of the book, Zero to One. Pick it up, bookstores everywhere, and join us at five o'clock on theblaze.com. Feeling stressed, left without gravity, in an environment that gets more and more complicated and complex every day? Untangle your mind and go back to the roots of clear thinking. Get the original text of the Leviathan by Hobbes, the two treatises of government by Locke, the social contract by Rousseau, plus the U.S. Constitution from Pennsylvania, bound together into just one practical book. That's right. Hobbes, Locke, Rousseau, and the U.S. Constitution bound together into just one practical book to keep your costs low.